talking about what Jesus said all year long. He said in John 17, 3, my joy, or 17, 13, my joy be fulfilled in them. Jesus prayed that. He's like, I want my joy to be fulfilled in my people. And so we're unpacking what that looks like. And last week we talked about him as the source of our joy. And so that means that our joy can never, ever run out. Now our happiness, our excitement, all those kind of things, if it's found outside of Jesus, will wane. It will go out. You guys, so often we want something so desperately, so badly, whether it's something material or it's something relational. We want it, we want it, we want it, we get it. And then we kind of have a letdown. Now what? I had a friend that was saving for a long time to get a vehicle. And he didn't come to church very often. When he and his wife came to church, it was when we were in the, the school. And I just said something along the lines of, you know, stuff isn't going to last what you do for the Lord and, and how you're able to give and serve, that, that's the kind of stuff that lasts, you know. He was so mad at me. He didn't even come back to church after that. He felt like I was speaking directly at him. And I was like, hey, man, I didn't even know you were saving up for a car. I didn't know that you were getting ready to make that purchase. And he goes, well, it just totally felt like you were preaching at me, and I just, that's why I don't really like church. It really makes you feel guilty. I'm like, bro, you give me way too much credit. <laughs> I don't know your stuff like that. Well, I just, not really going to go. And I'm like, okay, well, that, that bummed me out. I don't know, about three years later, we were at an event together. And he goes, yeah, so I got my car. I'm like, yeah, sweet, man, I noticed that. How's it going? Good. Just a car. Not that big a deal. I'm like, well, it's really nice. It's nicer than anything I'm ever going to have. You want to give it away? <laughs> he goes, no, no, no. He goes, but sorry I was being a baby about that. I was like, so I'll see you at church? No. <laughs> but you guys, I want to get right to a parable that Jesus tells, two of them as a matter of fact, in Matthew 13, 44. Now, I know that I am a dad, and I am also a grandfather, and I am a pastor, and so that means all of my jokes could be super cringe. And I know that we've asked, hey, what's a parable? It's two bulls. <laughs> okay, out. <laughs> parable is a story with a purpose. These two that we're going to read, Jesus didn't interpret for anybody. There's a few like that in the Bible, and so it's up for us to actually draw something from it. And there are multiple people that draw something different than what I'm going to lay out for you today, and that's okay. That's totally fine. If you draw something from a parable that makes God who he isn't or makes us who we're not, that's wrong. And that's where we can say that's the wrong interpretation. But in this, you're going to see, and I'm going to unpack just really briefly how some people see these differently, but I'm going to aim at this with a focus on what it costs us to have joy, the cost of joy. And so here we go, Matthew 13, 44 through 46. These are about the kingdom, and there's joy involved, and this is what Jesus said 
a bit about the cost of joy. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. Tell me really quick, what's going on with the treasure? It's hidden in a field. So field is pretty normal. Treasure in it during their time was also pretty normal because they didn't really have banks. And they didn't want to get robbed. And so they would sometimes take their treasure, put it in a clay jar, or if they were able to, put it in wood like a treasure chest, and then dig and put it somewhere and then hopefully remember where it's at. You thought losing your keys was bad. Wow, where did I put that treasure? All right, so kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and then covered it up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. This is a merchant that understands the value of pearls. The other guy was a man that just stumbled upon a treasure. This one is a man who understands the value of pearls. Pearls are called unity. They cannot be broken up like diamonds and other gems. And even like gold, you break up pearl, it's over. It just breaks. And so there's something spectacular about it. And they start as an irritant to the oyster. And then it covers it basically with mucus. And you're all saying, okay, but it ends up being cool mucus? I don't understand. Anyways, there's this treasure. And this guy, this merchant, is in search of fine pearls. Not just any normal pearls, some real good ones. And upon finding one pearl of great value... He went and sold all that he had and bought it. You guys, what I'm about to teach you today is a little bit, um, I don't want to say scandalous only, but it's definitely challenged. And it's challenged for lots of reasons. One of the challenges is the interpretive thing that I'm telling you about. Many, many, many people have taught this as we are the man stumbling through the field. We are the merchant in search of fine pearls. And I'm going to teach accordingly today. But there's a number of fine teachers that are saying, actually, you can't buy the kingdom. And I don't ever think you can. If you've ever heard me preach that, come up and slap your man. Because I don't believe it. I don't think you can. You can't earn it. But that's not what I'm going to teach you. But some people are like, since that's not how that is, it's Jesus who is the man. It's Jesus who is the merchant. And I love it. I think that's great preaching. It's just not the interpretation. He didn't interpret it, so we're allowed to interpret it. And there's a couple of different ones in there. And there's some really cool preaching off of that if Jesus is the one. Some people think that the treasure hidden in the field is Israel. And they've been kind of hidden there, a nation, but they're still kind of lost right now. And then people think that the pearl is the church. And it started out really tiny and became really spectacular, like a grain of sand. Cool. All that's great preaching. And that gives you the cost of joy for Jesus. It literally cost him everything. 
and he willingly gave it up. I love it. Like I said, good preaching. I'm going to go with what it costs us. Because I think a lot of times we hear that you could do nothing for salvation, and so we're just like, cool, I want that. I'll take it. And then we do nothing with it. And I'm just, I'm tired of us saying that it's faith alone that saves us and then leaving our faith all alone. I, I do believe it's God's grace and faith that saves us, but it's never, ever by itself. We talked a lot about this when we went through James a little bit, right? It is faith and action. That doesn't save you, but if you don't have the actions, if you don't live that out, you just say, yeah, 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 Jesus, awesome, wonderful, gave him everything, and you actually don't? Where's your faith at? What's it in? Are you saved? All these things. So we're going to unpack these just one at a time on here. But Matthew 13, 44, again, we understand a little bit about the cost of joy. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, church, say it with me, we'll be together in his joy. Not, oh, gosh, I found treasure. <laughs> I guess I'll have to go sell everything. <sighs> no, he's like, oh, my goodness. This is the bumper crop. This is worth everything. So in his joy... He goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Can you imagine? He shows up to the owner of the field. Hey, is this thing for sale? Mm, I don't know. It's been in my family for decades. I'm not, I mean, I'm not really all that interested in selling it. And he's like, I'll give you however many shekels. And it's way beyond what that guy could have dreamed about mentioning. He goes, yeah, it's for sale. <laughs> you bet. And he's like, sweet. I need you to get some of your stuff off of it because here's the shekels. I want it. He goes and gets rid of everything that he has. He gets his hands empty so he can actually receive. We'll come back to that again. Again, truly Jesus and his kingdom aren't hidden. But for a number of people, they just don't get how amazing he is. We just sang a song, Amazing Love, How Could It Be That You Should Die For Me? When your eyes are open, you're like, oh, my goodness. He wants me? He loves me? He's giving me life? All of what I've done or all of what I've thought about doing or all of what's been done to me, that doesn't matter in comparison to him? Yeah, I I want him. What do I need to do? Oh, just die to yourself. You are actually giving up everything, not to earn it, but to be able to receive it. Let's go back really quick. I want to give you a little something here on how difficult it is for people to see Jesus. We'll go back to what he said in the whole golden rule time in Matthew 7 when he's getting Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 7, 13 and 14, he says, enter by the narrow gate. He says this after he gives them the golden rule, right? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. 
Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. This is where it's hidden. Hidden in plain view, by the way. We don't want the tough stuff. Life's hard enough. Oh, to follow Jesus? I have to admit I'm a sinner? That sounds so negative. Sounds so rude. Not everyone sees him for who he really is. When you see him for who he really is, it is a narrow path, but it leads to life, friend. He's the only one, and so therefore very narrow, very exclusive, and yet inclusive in that he offers it to all of us. And yet not everybody wants it. Many find themselves just going with the flow. We talked about the difference between joy and happiness. Here it goes. Joy cannot be taken from you. Happiness is fleeting. But happiness is pretty quick. We have this what's called an immediate gratification. We do something and we get something in return. That's why though many of us know that sugar will mess with us, we sell it. <laughs> and we want it. And you're like, you're ruining this whole thing, bro. We're trying to like raise funds for kids. I know, you're going to eat sugar and so am I. But you guys, he's like very, very clear here in Matthew 7 that there is a way that looks good to us. And Proverbs 14, 12 says that it isn't Jesus, but it is his word, right? There's a way that seems right to us, but in the end it leads to death. There's a wide road, Jesus says, and it leads to death. There's a narrow path, and it leads to life. It's hidden until it isn't. He's opened your eyes, and you've seen it, and so now it's time. And what did it cost you? You, you being in charge, you holding on to whatever. I'm going to go back to this in just a little bit, but let's finish this second parable that he tells about the pearl of great price. In Matthew 14, or excuse me, 13, 45 through 46, he says, again, I love it, he's telling very similar parables. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. This is a little bit different. This is somebody that's been looking. This is somebody that knows that they're looking for something more, right? Maybe it's a little U2 kind of song. Still haven't found what I'm looking for, but I am looking. I do know that there's more to life. I do know that there's more for me. I know that there's something out there. I just don't know quite what it is, and so I'm looking. And upon finding a pearl of great value... He went and sold all that he had and bought it. He did a cost-benefit analysis. Look, I'm looking for fine pearls. I'm a merchant. I've got a job. Whoa, there it is. It's the one. How many of us feel that way about Jesus? Well, we may start there. Whoo, he loves me. That's so wonderful. I want him. I'm going to give up what my family thinks about me, what my friends think about me. I might even have to give up a job because I'm doing something that dishonors God but makes bank. Those usually go hand in hand, by the way. But I have to give that up. I may even have to get out of a relationship with somebody that I really, really dig. And I'm not saying go divorce if 
Jesus finds you in a marriage that isn't killing you, but it is unequally yoked, that means you're now ready to follow Jesus and they are not, stay, flee, and show them Jesus. If they decide to leave, the Bible says you can let them go, but I would ask you to keep the door open. And it's not just me. You can check out 1 Corinthians 7 on that. But that being said, you give up things and even people. But I have to ask this question, and I already talked about it a little bit. Bought it? Can you buy the kingdom? What do you guys think? Is Jesus for sale? Why do you think people try and sell him all the time? What do you think that's about? What do you think it's about that people are like, it's not like, Jesus, get your lucky Jesus. It's not that kind of sale, right? But like, why do you think it is that people, myself included, like evangelists, try super hard to get people to understand and want Jesus and they try to maybe even soft sell some of the difficult stuff because they don't want to alienate anybody. I mean, we're literally, here we go. I may lose people over this and I pray you come and talk to me, but we're in the middle, excuse me, not in the middle, we're in the beginning of what our country calls Pride Month. And people would much rather just don't say anything. Look, I'm just saying I'm not going to celebrate something that put Jesus on the cross. I'm not going to say what's wrong is right so I can win some people. What am I winning them with? It's a lie. It's the wide road. But I also don't just get on Facebook and tell people, hey, you smell that sulfur? You're going to hell. Sinners. Hey, get in line. Who isn't a sinner? If you raise your hand, that's a sin of pride. You're a sinner. Okay. <laughs> you guys, we need to continue on in this. But if you can't buy the kingdom, then what could this possibly be talking about? And this interpretation of it is that you have to sell something. It says right here in the last one that he sold all that he had and bought it. How do you explain that, friends? Church, how do you explain it? Figure of speech? Good. What else? That's good, Scott. It's a demonstration of commitment. Figure of speech. Got Ellie. Mm. Mm. That's good. And here's what's wild, right, about this whole thing, and this is where the parable breaks down. He gave up everything to buy this pearl of great price. But if he's going to have anything, he's got to give up the pearl again. For Christians, we don't have to ever give up the kingdom 
We've been bought and paid for. And we do get to share it. Paul even is like, look, I would actually give up heaven if it meant that my brothers, my Jewish brothers and sisters would be saved. Will you do me a huge favor? Can you shut that door? Because I will fully, thank you so much. I will just keep looking back there. Because I'm what you'd call ADHD. <laughs> Thanks so much. We do have to share, but we'll never lose the kingdom. Once you're in his hand, like we talked about last week, nobody can snatch you out. But what in the world would it look like for us to buy? Prioritize, emphasize. Jesus said it like this, seek first his kingdom. Some of us seek first his kingdom, but we leave a little side hustle. Like, I'm, I'm following you, God, but just in case it doesn't quite work out, I'm going to keep this and whatever this is. Money, a little bit of drugs, some side sex. A friend of mine said, look, we had a divorce because my wife was having more sex than I was. Hmm. And they had to explain it to me because I didn't get it. But we, we constantly say things like money can't buy you happiness, <laughs> but I'm willing to give it one more shot. And this idea is like what Scott said. You, you've got to prioritize. You've got to emphasize what's most important. And Jesus says so as well. There's a different way it's said. It's not Jesus who said it, but it, this definitely emphasizes what it means to buy something. Philippians 3, 7 through 9 says it like this. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Ooh, that passage and the idea that discipleship costs you everything. By the way, I'm not reading this for you on the screen, but Luke 14, 20 through 31 talks about the cost of discipleship. I heard it this morning at about 2 in the morning when I was listening to the Bible as I was sleeping and dreaming and this literally woke me up. Bear your own cross is one of the things Jesus says in there. So therefore, whoever does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. That sounds like it's going to cost you something. Salvation you cannot earn and you cannot pay for, but to receive it, dear friend, you got to give something up. And what's the something that he's talking about? For many of you, you don't know. You're afraid to ask. I don't, I don't want to give up my anger. I don't want to give up my anxiety. I know I should, but it's what I know. It's what keeps me warm. I don't want to give up my job. I don't want to give up what it looks like to have notoriety and have people think I'm funny and put likes in and say, you know what? I know a bunch of Christians that are jerks, but you're the nicest one ever because you never tell me anything's wrong. You guys, I'm a people pleaser, and that's a trap. This is the kind of stuff that I think that he's talking about right here, right now. 
Let me finish the Philippians thought. Listen, the wording here is words that we use. I'm going to translate for you in this word what it actually says in the Greek. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as dung. I count all the stuff that I had before I came to Christ. It says rubbish in this translation, but it's dung. It's poo-poo. It just doesn't matter. In order that I may gain Christ. What? How do you gain Christ? That I would be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own. So now I can't buy it on my own. But a righteousness that comes from law. No, instead of that, of earning it, it's a righteousness that comes through faith in Christ. A righteousness from God that depends on faith. Dear friends, the true treasure, treasure, the joy, is knowing Jesus. Is being found in him, being exchanged by his grace and his mercy. He gives us his righteousness. And he takes our sin. And so he gave up more than we ever could, but we're going to join him. We're going to give up as well. We're going to die to ourselves. We're going to take up our cross, deny ourselves, and follow him. So the, the good view of this is like, no, Jesus is so much greater than anything. I'm going to actually receive. And I'll tell you at the end, but I'm going to say it again. The best way for us to receive is for our hands to be empty. But oftentimes we're like Steve Martin in The Jerk, where he's carrying all this stuff. And he's like, I just need this. And he drops something and he adds. The only way you can have any room in your hands for the kingdom, in your heart for the kingdom, in your mind for the kingdom, is to give up yours. Is to give it up. And this costs. For some of you to follow Jesus means your family is going to write you off. There are people right now in countries that are not our own that are being killed because they decided that Jesus was the pearl of great price. And their price to receive his kingdom and to be in his glory forever and ever and to know him, as David just prayed, is their lives. Literally, they're breathing. It's not just getting kicked out of their house or you're out of the will. Their lives. We're not there yet. Maybe in our lifetime that'll happen in America. But when Jesus is your true treasure, what's that? I said it again. Cheshire. Cheshire cat. Go ahead. Get it out of your system. <laughs> you guys, seriously, the joy is Jesus. He's our source. It's his kingdom. Is he enough? Because we want Jesus and. Jesus is saying, it's just me. No offense when people say you're enough. For what? 
You don't have to be anything else. I'm down for that. Let's get behind that. You can't be anyways. Just like John and I, look, no doubt I'm giving you a plug for a podcast, but I think that it's helpful. It's very helpful for me to prepare and have these conversations, and hopefully for some of you. Some of you sit here on a regular basis and listen to me talk, and I've found out a number of people, thank you, that are online that are watching. So we have a podcast, Pastors and Pizza. If you listen to podcasts, go for it. It's about an hour. What did you say? You'll laugh, you'll cry, and you'll waste an hour. (laughs) Stunning endorsement, bro. Appreciate it. (laughs) But the reality is, we've talked about this just this week, and we're in graduation time, and people are like, just be true to yourself. You do you. Don't let anybody take your joy away from you. And what they mean by that is you be the king. You be the queen. You call the shots. Jesus does not say that. He's the king. He's the joy. He's the treasure. So with that, give you this positive thing where it's like we just give up, we, we empty our hands, we go for it. Well, there's a story that Jesus is a part of that's a recollection, an eyewitness account in Mark 10, 17 through 22. And this, my friends, is a sad, negative example of what it's like to hang on to something other than Jesus. This is the wide road choice. This is a person that had a chance to have the joy of forever and chose the happiness of the temporary. Mark 10, 17, and I'll stop at 22 just for a second and then jump back in. As Jesus was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt down before him. And we know from Matthew and Luke that this was a young man, he was a rich man, and he had some position of authority. He was a ruler. He would not be running, and he would not be kneeling unless he thought Jesus was something special. And he does. He runs up, kneels before him, and asks him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And again, we talked about last week. David prayed about it. I want you to understand. Eternal life, what Jesus says eternal life is, is knowing the Father and him. That's the treasure. That's the joy. That's the big deal. But we're like, what else? Dear friend, you need nothing else. When you get to heaven, it isn't like, oh, right over here, we have Krispy Kreme. And over here, we've got golf. And then back here, we've got people playing baseball because they're anointed. Um, And all these other things that we would add. But no, actually, it says that heaven is lit up by Jesus. The big deal is Jesus. The reward is Jesus. The joy is being with Jesus. And you can get a head start right now. What else? Can you sweeten the deal? No. We can't. It doesn't get any sweeter. It does get sweeter because we don't have any of these distractions. I love you, Kathy. But the reality is we distract each other. We're supposed to point each other to Jesus, and we get an opportunity to do that too. 
Okay, gosh, that's more than I had written in my notes. Here we go. <laughs> Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Church, rather than belabor the point, Jesus isn't saying he's God. He's saying, do you know who you're talking to? You called me good. He doesn't say I'm not good. He doesn't even say I'm not God. He's like, why do you call me good? Why do you call Jesus king? Why do you call him Lord? Why do you come to church? You know the commandments, he says. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness. He even adds a little bit. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. You guys, he gives them five out of the ten commandments. None of them have to do with honoring God first. He gives them the people one. And he says, teacher, all these I've kept from my youth. (laughs) Really? He thinks pretty highly of himself. (laughs) Jesus doesn't even call him out. He looks at him, and he loves him. And many of us today, and I say this on June 4th, We love people so we won't tell them the truth. Jesus loves people and tells them the truth. Both. Together. They actually go together. Jesus looking at him, loved him and said, you lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven and come. Follow me. This is really sweet. It's a play on words. The treasure in heaven is? Good job. It's him. It's Jesus. And you can come follow me so you get a head start here. This is where eternal life begins for us, by the way, church. is here with Jesus. And so you can come follow me. Disheartened, which does not sound like joy. By the saying, he went away sorrowful, which is not joy. For he had great possessions. I'll just point this out really quick on the screen. Thank you, Amanda. Sorrowful, not joyful. This is how this guy leaves. Very few people except the Pharisees left interactions with Jesus. Anything but joyful. Most everybody is super stoked to have been around Jesus. But a few weren't. And this was one of them. Now Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. Because the more you have, the less you think you need Jesus. And his disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Super quick geek out moment here. The eye of the needle was an actual gate that got into Jerusalem. You could walk through it, but if you had your camel, the camel would have to get down on its knees 
and crawl through that thing. I don't know if you've ever seen a camel crawl. I've just seen a video of it. It's laboriously slow and painful looking. And I think he's giving them a hyperbole, but I also think he's giving them like a, a mental picture they don't understand. This is really, really hard to have stuff and want the kingdom. That doesn't mean you have to be poor. Some of the richest people in my life aren't just rich in relationship with Jesus. They're financially well off, and they give it away all the time. They don't worry about it. But I will say, the people that worry the most about money in my life are really poor and really rich. Most of us middle class people just don't have it. We're like, whatever. Some of us. And so they're amazed at this. Verse 26 says, they were exceedingly astonished. And they said to them, then who can be saved? And that's our attitude, right? We got all this stuff. We must be blessed. We are, but your blessings come from a blesser. And that's where the party's at is him. So he looked at them again and said, with man, it's impossible. But not with God, for all things are possible with God. You can check out Acts 4.12. You can check out Titus 3.5. We talked about those recently. Peter began to say to him, see, we've left everything and followed you. He's starting to be like, where's my riches? I've given it all up. Jesus said, truly, I say to you, there's no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and lands with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. Look, you have family all over the world if you're in Christ. There's homes all over the world. There's brothers, there's sisters all over the world. And he's saying, but you're also going to have persecutions here. But for eternal life, no problems at all. That's eternal joy. Then he finishes with verse 31. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. I want to remind you one more time. It's easier to receive when your hands are empty. We have to quit hanging on to people and things and anger our rule, our reign, our pain, our deficiencies even. We get to exchange. But the cost of joy may cost you temporary happiness or popularity or even comfort. So this morning, church, I'll ask you, how do you move towards Jesus? Only God and you know. But for all of us, I'll give you four words. Surrender, confess, repent, and celebrate. Surrender to the rule and reign of Jesus Christ. If you haven't done so, today's your day. Repent. Turn back to him. Surrender. You're the king. I'm not. I believe you, and I believe that you paid a price for me that was way more costly than mine. And then turn. Turn from fear, turn from anger, turn from lust, 
Turn from boredom and doubt. Turn from sin. But I like it. I know. And it's killing you. And then celebrate. Because the kingdom's yours. Nobody can take you out. Nobody. If Jesus' joy is to be fulfilled in us, we have to receive it. John and I were talking about it. And I've, I've shared this with you before, and it's really kind of troublesome. And I've got friends in my life that, like, why would you tell this story? Because it really happens still to this day. Monkeys get caught by monkey traps. And there's a lot of different ones, but the most simple one is put something shiny in a jar, and they won't let go of it. They put their hand in, and then they grab it, and they have to make a fist. That means they can't get their hand out. And then they get chased, and they're running, but they don't have all their faculties because one hand has got a jar on it. And they try to climb, and they fall, and then they get caught. And sometimes we do bad things with it. Sometimes we bring them to the zoo. Enjoy your trip. But the point is, is that we're so often hanging on to something, and that costs us. So you're going to pay him now or later. Why not submit to him? The cost of joy is significant, but the benefit is so much better. That's what he made us for, his relationship with him. Redeemed, paid for by him. So come to Jesus over and over again. We got to go. Let's pray. Father, I know that you are righteous and holy and great in every way. Lord, whatever is tough for us to give up, may we see that you're much more worth it. Definitely like the pearl of great price. Definitely like hidden treasure. Lord, this breaks down. It's a story, a parable. But what doesn't break down is your reality that you called us to. Deny ourselves. Take up our cross. Follow you. You're worth it. Just like this young rich ruler, Lord, many of us have hung on and gone away worse off than when we first came. May we repent of that and turn to you and find the joy that lasts forever, relationship with you. God, I love you and I praise you and I thank you for loving us first. It's in your righteous name we pray. Amen.